0: So, Jordan and I watched the Fire documentary. Which one? Uh, the one on Netflix.
1: Okay, that's the problematic one.
0: Why is it problematic?
1: Because it was produced by the people who funded Fire Festival, and so it.
0: Well, I find that to be hilarious. Yes. Because it's terrible. Well, like it. Meaning, oh, absolutely. Meaning, meaning it play, paints Fire Festival. Jordan and I both were dying laughing because he was like, "This isn't a real tragedy. All of these people." But like, paid like four thousand right. dollars to see Blink One Eighty Two, and then we they also interviewed people from the Bahamas who were never paid. Mm-hmm. And Jordan was like, and this is legitimately troubling. Yeah. So like, there are two levels. So that's fascinating that that was basically Fire Festival PR because it was terrible.
1: No, not okay. PR. <laughs> okay. Um, so Fire Festival was marketed by Jerry Entertainment. Yeah. You may have seen F. Jerry yes, on Instagram. Which
0: please don't get me started on that as a business name. I'm, oh, I don't it's, understand. It's a whole
1: thing. Um they marketed Fire Festival and produced the Fire Festival documentary, the one on Netflix.
0: Okay. And there's one on Hulu. There's
1: one on Hulu okay. that exposed the fact that Jerry Entertainment produced the Netflix one.
0: Okay. Was it, that not clear? It
1: was not clear. Okay. Because it is just money making for these people. Because now we're going to cash in on the fact that, hey, wasn't this thing terrible? Now let's all talk about it. Don't they need more money press. though
0: so that they can pay their
1: employees? <laughs> Do you think like... they're going to pay <laughs> any of those people in the I Bahamas? I hope they
0: pay. No, no. I don't. I don't. I think those poor so, people are not going to get no, paid.
1: And that's the problem. So I haven't watched either of these yet. We um, watched
0: the one on Netflix last night because Jordan had never heard of it. I'm, I'm
1: really story. curious. I want to know
0: So I will watch the Hulu one. But I will say it is funny to me. That F Jerry I guess produced this mm-hmm. because it paints no one like even yeah even the quote unquote poor pitiful souls who like worked mm-hmm. for Fire the app and Fire right. Festival nobody looks good right Jordan at one point all was press like is good press Jordan looked at this <laughs> Jordan looked at the people in the documentary and he was like all of these people look the same <laughs> like they're all like white hipster. Mm-hmm. And, and it is baffling. And then it was baffling to us that, like, how this guy made his money mm-hmm. originally was from doing this thing called, oh, it begins with an M. And basically all it was was, like, a credit card with benefits. Oh. Like, that's how he made his initial money. Billy McFarland, is that his name? Yeah. That's how he made his initial, he just looks like a frat boy. Like, yeah. he just looks oh, like. Oh, he is. <laughs> but he didn't He didn't graduate. I looked yeah. him up. He didn't graduate. He's now in prison. Um, <laughs> Good. But he, Jordan and I just couldn't get over, like, the people followed him Mm -hmm. Jordan was like he must be so incredibly charismatic because it doesn't make sense to follow someone whose fortune quote unquote fortune which wasn't even real he inflated those numbers was this card that looked like one of those like Amex black cards Mm -hmm. but it was called something I can't remember the name of it again with an m and it like I guess was a credit card but also enabled you to get like Early access to like Beyonce concerts, huh. special access to, um, to like a club. And it was supposed to be for elite millennials.
1: This sounds a lot like something Jean-Ralphio would be.
0: Yes. Peddling. Jordan, I, okay. I think that's what Jordan and I were dying laughing at. The tragedy of, um, people in the Bahamas not getting paid right. and this ruining their reputation because it was a disaster. Yeah. Not good. Okay. I want to acknowledge that that is good. legitimately a tragedy. What is not a tragedy is yes, all of these people reminded us of Jean Ralphio yeah. and Tom Haverford <laughs> trying to create this. Biz- Jordan and I just couldn't imagine. They put out Ja Rule and Billy McFarlane mm-hmm. put out this fire festival idea, sold tickets before they had artists signed. Can you? Jordan, oh, no. Like, I was sitting on the couch. Jordan was dying laughing. I was like hiding under a blanket mm-hmm. because as a business owner, it was my worst nightmare come Mm -hmm. to life. Like basically selling tickets before you had something planned. What if, like, guys, if you're coming to the reader retreat, it is planned. It's all planned.
1: Like (laughs) the itinerary is (laughs) set. Like
0: it is planned. We would never do that. And so it was fascinating to me and to Jordan that all of these people, including a couple of older people. So it wasn't just like, you know, dumb 20-something millennials. Right, yeah. (laughs) Like there were other older people who like bought into this guy and it we turns were just, out older
1: people are dumb too. <laughs> It
0: was just baffling to me. Yeah. I'll have to watch the Hulu I'm one. very
1: curious about your take and I eventually am going to watch these too because I'm so, so curious just, how this happened. It was
0: just bizarre. And Jordan's right. Like some of it was just laughable. Mm-hmm. Like you couldn't help but laugh. Like these people had been promised these like luxury tents mm-hmm. and it was like leftover from Hurricane Andrew tents and then they flooded Yikes. anyway and they got there And mattresses were flooded. And then, this is what else I couldn't... This is just human nature is baffling to me. So these very wealthy influencers Mm -hmm. like show up for this weekend. Why is that a thing? (laughs) Look, that's why Jordan was laughing. He's not on Instagram, Mm -hmm. so he just was like, what is this? So these influencers show up. Instead of the resort they've been promised, Mm -hmm. they have... Like, it had rained that morning. Mm -hmm. And so they get there, and their tents are like half open. their air mattresses... Are flooded. But so these rich young 20 somethings, one guy was like, Oh, I just went around and peed on everybody's mattress. And what? Jordan and I were like, Why? Why would you do that? And Jordan was like, I'm telling you, they're lucky nobody got hurt yeah. because mob mentality mm-hmm. and these very wealthy people who were accustomed to a certain level got there and did not have that given to them. And so then in outrage, started peeing on each other's mattresses. And I just got questions.
1: Yeah. I just got so And so I want you to read Lord of the Flies like we talked (laughs) about. I'm going to Yeah. And then I want you to watch the Hulu doc. (laughs) And then I'm gonna do all three of those things too, and then we'll have a brand new conversation.
0: We'll be back here about Fire Festival. Fire
1: Festival, Lord of the Flies. You read it here first. episode 207 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen and I have some deadlines.
0: And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia.
1: So it's still January (laughs) somehow. Um, I feel like we recorded these resolutions and these New Year, New You and Fresh Start kinds of things. Six months ago.
0: And we're just still the same.
1: Yeah. It's only been two weeks. And so. Yeah.
0: It, it, to be fair, I don't know what the rest of the world is feeling, but I feel like the last two weeks have lasted. My friend and I were talking about this. They've simultaneously lasted forever and, mm-hmm. been, and gone by in the blink of an eye. Yes. Um, Jordan asked me yesterday, we were on like a little hike walk thing and Jordan was like, how's, so how's your new year going? And I was like. I don't think well, like, <laughs> like, I like certain things are, and it's mm-hmm. just life. Like certain things are going well, mm-hmm. and other things are not.
1: I think I've written something like fifty pages this month, though. So That's like,
0: say, that sounds good.
1: It's really good. I
0: was gonna say that sounds like you've that you should I've, feel good about that.
1: I finished an initial draft of in my second chapter, and then I spent a weekend substantially revising my first chapter. And so like, I'm in. Well, you're
0: doing fine. I'm doing great. Yeah.
1: But it's work.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And so yes. every
1: day feels a week long. Yes. Um, and now like I'm here on a Tuesday, which is the day that I don't do things, which is fine and right. great. And I need that. But looking back, it feels like it's been longer than two weeks yes. since I've been here.
0: Yes. It, it, and Olivia and I refer to this because it most often happens for us at the bookshelf, for mm-hmm. example. Like it's the bookshelf time warp. Yeah. Like so much here happens, mm-hmm. so much happens here in a day. Yeah. That you go home and you're like...
1: Wait, was that today? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So I get it. Yeah. But...
0: Nevertheless, we persisted. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, I just, exactly. That's the only thing I can think to say.
1: Um, but on this theme of it still being January, I wanted to kind of follow up on some of our Fresh Start talk.
0: Some things have happened. Some
1: things have happened. And so... Last week's episode, we talked about the idea of a fresh start, and one of those, or the ideas of a fresh start, plural, and one of those was very indebted to Marie Kondo. Yes. Um, She has a new show on Netflix called Tidying Up with Marie Kondo um based on her 2014 book the life-changing magic of tidying up which we misnamed last week which is fine
0: oh did we misname it we I called it the you...
1: life-saving magic
0: oh i was about to say i thought you named it perfectly
1: it was i was one word off but... it's like
0: guernsey literary potato peel pie society like i can't just i yeah. don't know name your book tidying up <laughs> that's my yeah, bone. that's my bone there
1: might be that it's fine um for one that book came out five years ago.
0: Yeah, and I remember. It was a big, I'm talking like Fifty Shades of Grey phenomenon, mm-hmm. meaning we sold a lot of that mm-hmm. book. Um, and it was one of those that kind of came out of nowhere. That's what I mean. Like, there wasn't a lot of pre-pub press, mm-hmm. as I recall.
1: Just suddenly everyone was into it. It
0: was like the thing. Right. Like uh, like, like, Teddy Ruxpin.
1: <laughs> or Furbies.
0: Fur- yes, Furbies. Sorry, 80s. Child of the 80s. 90s, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, so, hmm. Tangent, do you remember when Gray came out and we had to order a box of 24 from the publisher I and I think sold three?
0: I do. We ultimately sold them, but I forgot shame. Like, no. I forgot people are ashamed. Yeah. And so we did wind up selling, I think, all 24.
1: Eventually. But it
0: took a long time. Meanwhile, 50 Shades, people still come in and request that book. Do they really? Mm-hmm. Not often. But you
1: sometimes. can just read Fire Sermon, guys.
0: No! <laughs> No, not the same thing.
1: I don't know. I read some passages recently, and it is is? very similar. Look,
0: it's hard R. I said that.
1: (laughs) It is NC-17. But the pros
0: (laughs) are the point. The
1: pros. The pros are the
0: point. Moving on.
1: Moving moving on. Um, I want to come back to Marie Kondo, because in the weeks since we've recorded this, I've seen some some things
0: you you came to me with some things with some things
1: on the internet about this um specifically i've seen a meme and i think the bookshelf shared an iteration of this
0: yes um and there's
1: nothing wrong with this a nicer meme yeah in and of itself in certain contexts however the meme is essentially a picture of marie kondo i feel like i'm doing a yes yes no it's a picture of Marie Kondo to with me. a speech bubble that says, ideally, you should have less than 30 books in your home. Mm-hmm. Under that, I have seen several different things attached. Yes. I think the one that the bookshelf shared was something like, I don't need that kind of negativity or something else. Like, I think
0: that's right. I shared it.
1: Fairly harmless. Right. right? I hope. So. I've seen other things attached to it with stuff like, um, this woman is a monster. Right.
0: Less harmless.
1: <laughs> less less harmless. <laughs> Um, And I just feel that a lot of people have taken particular umbrage to this idea that they should only own 30 books or less.
0: I want to ask a genuine question. I think I asked this before we started recording and I don't remember if you answered. Do you think this is legitimate outrage or this is like people are tired of being outraged over legitimate things and so like we're joking Mad at Marie Kondo for tellin- for seemingly telling uh-huh. us to get rid of our books. Like, do you think these memes are stemming from a true place of how dare she, or more of ha, 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 Marie I think, Kondo? I
1: think the memes are stemming from a place of ha, 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 Marie Kondo and shared in the spirit of I am outraged okay. because the internet is not capable of nuance.
0: <laughs> Which I hate guys. Yep. We can do better. We can do
1: better, and so. There was a very interesting piece um, that ran in Bustle recently. I'll link that in the show notes. Um, And we don't need to talk about the whole deal in depth. But what I do want to talk about is this idea of, did Marie Kondo actually say that you should only have 30 books in your house?
0: And can we talk about even if she did? Yeah. So first, let's address the first question. First, let's address the first
1: question. On page 93.
0: (laughs) We came with sources, you guys. Of
1: the life-changing magic of tidying up. The actual quote says, I now keep my collection of books to about 30 volumes at any one time. But in the past, I found it very hard to discard books because I love them. And she tells a story of how the first time she tried to whittle down her library, she got down to 100 books, Mm -hmm. which is no small number of books. Correct. And that after wrestling with this and sitting on this for a while, she realized that like there were many books that she owned and loved, and it felt wrong to... um, discard yes um the example she uses is, is alice in wonderland uh-huh. that well one that's not a book was it alice's adventures in wonderland or through the looking glass i don't know but there's no book know. called alice in wonderland anyway um, that was just my little lewis carroll fan <laughs> moment of the day um alice in wonderland and she had a hard time parting with this but realized She was never actually probably ever going to reread it. Mm -hmm. If she needed to, it's readily available pretty much anywhere. Right. Um, And so she came up with this idea of copying your favorite phrases or paragraphs down from these books into a notebook. Mm -hmm. But as she got through with like one book, she realized that's going to take forever.
0: Right. No, thank you.
1: Um, And so then she thought, why don't I photocopy these pages? Still going to take a long time.
0: And also, then you've got all these rando pages, and at least books are pretty. And so
1: then she thought, why don't I rip out the page that I like and put it in a notebook? Okay. That's still going to take too long. So then she thought, why don't I rip out these pages that I like and put them in a file folder? And so she did. Okay. And then after a couple months, and when would she realize she never, ever looked at that file folder? She thought, this is not the point. Yeah. And then she goes on to talk about how, like, she arrived at the number 30... For a variety of reasons, but that it has actually helped her retain information better.
0: I have no doubt that's true. That she
1: doesn't rely on being able to turn back to the book at any given moment, but actually like reads it, and her brain has retrained itself to uh-huh. retain the information better.
0: I'm sure, like that's not surprising. Right.
1: So the point being,
0: she only said thirty books for herself. For
1: herself, and she even says, if these books bring you joy, and if your clutter brings you joy, great. Right. Marie Kondo's not telling you how to live your life.
0: She's really not. And if you watch the show, I think she's pretty clear about that. Like, and I also think many of her tips, tricks, methods, whatever you want to call them, um, do really help families, couples, mm-hmm. people, single people, whatever. They help people remember and realize what's important. Exactly. And you and I, you talked about it in the Bustle article. This idea that it's not just about what brings joy, but it's really mm-hmm. what brings meaning right. is what that deeper word means. And so
1: there was um, a writer somewhere on Twitter who wrote a whole piece, and I forget where it was published, but it's also linked in the Bustle article, about how like the idea of sparking joy isn't a good metric for keeping books. That mm-hmm. books should challenge us and sometimes disturb us, and that's right. what literature is able to do. But that's not that's what Marie not Kondo Marie means Kondo when she's talking about joy. <laughs> right. She's not talking about like, uh, "this makes me this makes happy. me happy." Right. But the Japanese concept is not just joy, but it is like meaning. Yes. It's um, throb, palpitation. This idea that this produces a meaningful emotion in you. Yes. Not just joy. Right. Not just happiness, happiness or bliss, but something meaningful. Meaningful. It might make you cry. Right. That's still a kind of joy.
0: Yes, it means something to you. Right. And I think, you know, when you initially say, oh, she ripped out pages of a book, like, I'm sure a lot sure of people are clutching where, their pearls. I right was now. about to say, I'm sure a lot of people that mm-hmm. really bothers. Like, I dog ear my books, that mm-hmm. bothers a lot of people. I
1: write in my books, same I, deal.
0: You know, I rip little notches in mine, it's fine. Um, would I rip out pages? No. For me personally, right. I would rather have the full book. Than I would a file folder,
1: and because I, for me, these passages have the most meaning in the context of their book.
0: Right in the context of the whole right, book.
1: and like maybe you can remember that right as you're, Look, and it as you're shock looking me at which if she this, could. She of seems course, very she's in, intelligent. <laughs> but I I do understand why people are like nope, not going to rip up my book. Right, but again, she's not telling you to do that.
0: Yeah, and like I can understand. And she
1: even said that that didn't work for her.
0: Right, and we're allowed <laughs> to have a reaction, right? right. Like of you course. can react. I'm, we have talked previously. We and, talked at length and, about this. Yes, not on the air. Mm-mm. That, like, we might not need to get outraged on the internet about it. Uh-huh. You could just get outraged personally about right. it, and that's fine. Um, I do kind of want to address this a little bit because I think on last week's episode or two weeks ago, mm-hmm. maybe it was two weeks ago, we talked about this um, kind of trend on Instagram to read your unread libraries. Yeah. And I commented, and I still, I'm so sorry, I still don't know who this person was on the internet that I follow, I think, who said she had 600 unread titles. Mm -hmm. Um, And somebody commented to me on Instagram um, and said, oh, like, maybe that was a shocking number to you because you are at a bookstore all day, and so you know, books are a tactile experience and you forget, like, how meaningful those are. And I told her, I was like, oh, no, I still find books really meaningful. And I, Jordan and I, did a brief. We didn't, like, really count them. Mm -hmm. But, like, we did an An estimate. Yeah, and we think we have 300 to 350 books in our home. And look... That number makes me a little uncomfortable. Um, but I regularly go through my books. And
1: prune your collection.
0: Yeah, I regularly, regularly do. And like I've said before on here, I have a couple of books that I think people will be like, Annie, why do you have? Mm-hmm. There's like, and I maybe I've said this on this podcast, um, that I have this book that I think is like Christian fiction about mm-hmm. Jane Austen. Mm-hmm. And I've never read it. But my dad gave it for me for Christmas one year gave it to me for Christmas one year and the inscription says something about being a great writer. Uh-huh. Okay. I could rip out that page and get rid of the book. Cause the book is not what brings me meaning right. or joy, but I know me, I'm way more inclined to lose that piece of paper. Absolutely. <laughs> so so I, mm-hmm. so that book, guess what? Will probably remain in my collection yeah. until the day I die. Exactly. And that's fine. Um, for me, My home does not look like Mm -hmm. Marie Kondo's home. I'm sure of it. Um, But can I still use some of her principles? Absolutely. And do for the record, I own 350 books. Jordan and I were figuring out, and I'm not here to tell anybody what to do. Mm -hmm. But I think maybe 10% is a good number of books that could be your unread library. Like that would be, wouldn't that be 30-ish books unread? And I think
1: we've talked about this before, too.
0: Some some books
1: are aspirational. Yes. You buy a book because you want one day to have read it. Yes. I definitely own several books that I haven't read that one day I want to. Right. Will I get there? Time will tell.
0: Well, all, I think about all the beautiful classics like We Sell. Mm -hmm. Who knows? And I will not speak for anyone. Maybe you really are reading them. But I wonder when people buy them, is it more...
1: Because you think you should own it? Yes. Or because you're actually going to read it? And like, the thing that I think book people especially... Forget about books or look down on other people who think this way. Books are objects, right? Beyond just the words in their pages, which is one thing. The book is a physical object. It's a tactile experience, but can also be decoration. I well, and I and I, I use, don't and I don't think that's wrong.
0: No, I was about to say I. You've seen my home, yeah? Because I have so many. Because I, I apparently own 300 to 350 books. I think I
1: own more than that. I
0: uh, do decorate with mine. So like sometimes I keep these bigger. Like I have this big Jane Austen collection from like Barnes & Noble uh-huh. and I was just thinking oh, my head yeah. that's one I could probably get rid of and I could but it does lift my lamp
1: and it's perfectly. pretty
0: <laughs> yeah and it is pretty so it's I understand kind of where the outrage the, mm-hmm. where the, I understand the joking outrage right I don't understand the real outrage because
1: there is and like maybe this is not apparent to all of our listeners and that's okay but like there is actual outrage over this right. there are people actually writing op-eds about how
0: Oh, what is happening about
1: how the idea of limiting your library to thirty books is disturbing and terrible and wrong?
0: And I don't think it is. I don't
1: think it is.
0: I, is that unpopular for me to say as a bookseller? Because I definitely, if you're listening to this, I still want you to buy books from your independent bookstores. Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. Like, but, but I also, but I also don't want, I also don't want to foster bad habits.
1: Right. Well, there's another aspect here too of like. There are definitely people in the world who cannot afford to own right. a lot of books. Does that mean that they are not intelligent?
0: Right. Where did I... I just read something about this. I'm mm. trying to remember what the article was. Oh, no. But it was basically saying that same thing. Like, wait a minute. Like, some people... Maybe it was because somebody on the internet. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, somebody on the internet, like, made a joke or said something about if you don't have books in your house, you're an idiot. Or, yeah. like, something like that. I don't remember. Or
1: is that, like, often that... that quote that's apparently from Cicero but definitely isn't about how like a house without books is like a, a body
0: without a soul yeah
1: something like that I'm which gonna, like,
0: google that do you think that's real
1: we googled it one time oh did we for a previous episode <laughs> and he didn't actually say that
0: we have talked at length about stuff like this because mm-hmm. I remember maybe a couple years ago somebody asked a legitimate question which was um as a minimalist mm-hmm. how she could still I remember that books, yeah remember and we talked up uh, I think on the episode mm-hmm. about our own book buying habits right and i will say the woman who dm'd me on instagram she's right like certainly owning a bookstore has changed my own personal book buying attitude mm-hmm. i probably do buy fewer books mm-hmm. because i now basically have a library at my disposal right but i wanted and i told her this so i think it's fine for me to say publicly like but i also the, i think the reason i was a a gape at 600 unread books was because that's a large number. That's
1: a huge number yeah, to not have read. To
0: not have read. And I also told her, I live, as I've said many times before, in a small space. And so I cannot imagine owning, because if you haven't read 600 books, to me that means you own more than that. Right. So that means maybe you own 900 books. Right. Well, 900 books wouldn't fit in my house. Like, and truly. Wouldn't, oh, they, no. there would be nowhere in for them to go. In very few people's
1: homes can you store 900 books. Right um
0: so i think my and
1: i'm i i'm sincerely glad that person has the disposable income to be able to buy 600 books right and maybe they're from thrift stores like who knows well and that's
0: and that is another thing the woman um on instagram told me like oh i love buying used books and going to used bookstores and like and that i will say there is a special there's a joy joy in that in that um, because of the serendipity of it um 600 still is a large number to me i think that's a huge number um Also, I do wonder if we feel pressure, Mm -hmm. going back to the internet, Mm -hmm. if we feel pressure from the internet, maybe you don't actually need to read those 600 unread books. Or maybe your number is 300 or 150. Mine, truthfully, Jordan and I looked, we think mine is about 10%. So -hmm. we think I have about 30 unread books in our home. I'm going to say 30 to 40.
1: That's pretty good.
0: Well, and it depends on if you want to count ARCs in that mix. So if I I do. So then it's probably around... 40. I don't know. Anyway, my point is, it's between thirty and Still, fifty. Still, that's
1: not very many. I think ten percent, as you're saying, is a—that's a, an admirable
0: and goal. also important to note, doable. Yeah. Because my other thing is, are you setting yourself up for failure when you're like, I'm gonna read from my unread library, and your unread library it's is six hundred books. Six hundred books. That's all a big old number. That's huge. So what I like about Marie Kondo is, and somebody else said this, I think, in that same Bustle piece. She is freeing people yes. from having to feel... We live in a world where you've got a lot of people pulling you in all mm-hmm. different directions. You have a lot of pressures. I think we all have that. And so I think she's trying to relieve some of that pressure. Absolutely. By she's saying, not, you don't have to keep these things that you're never going to read. She's
1: not trying to get you to get rid of all these things that you that love. That you love. She's giving you a way to let go of the things that you don't.
0: That's right. Um, and for many of us... People are
1: fundamentally us, misunderstanding her philosophy here by saying right. she's coming to take their libraries. Right.
0: She's not coming for your books.
1: If your library brings you joy and love and sparks real meaning and, and joy in you, right. great. Right. That's a virtue. Right. Keep your library. But if you have 600 under books and you don't really think you're ever going to read them... Right. Maybe you can get rid of 500 of those.
0: And if you have 600 and you genuinely love each and every one of those, then guess what? I think Marie I think Kondo would too. say, yeah, you get to keep those. Yep. And probably, I'm going to guess, if you've got 600 unread books, you've got room for them. Maybe you were fortunate enough to have a bell-like library in your home. Ugh. In which case, I am jealous of you in a healthy way. And so <laughs> keep those 600 books. I think Marie Kondo's overarching principle is... If you really do love them, don't keep them out of a sense of obligation. Don't keep them out of a sense because, of duty and because responsibility. the internet told you you had to read your unread books, or
1: because you aspire one day to have read the complete works of Dostoevsky. <laughs> like, if you, you're probably not going to do it, and that's okay. Right, and you, and don't you have shouldn't. To. You shouldn't feel pressured or guilted into doing right, that.
0: Right, you don't have to. And and I also think, like, I look at my personal library. So Jordan and I have talked about this at length. We both were in great books. We've talked about mm-hmm. that before. Well, that means we both have identical sets of a large, mm-hmm. like probably a full shelf right. of books. We're not ready to get rid of those because they have our personal notes. And I notes.
1: fully <laughs> understand <laughs> like, that.
0: Like, we're, we can't do it. I
1: have all of those books Yeah, still. like, we
0: can't do it. And, like, we have, like, two identical copies of each one of those books. Mm-hmm. But his has his notes. Mine has my notes. And have I looked at those? Not often, but sometimes.
1: Mm-hmm. Occasionally. Um,
0: occasionally. Also, they serve as a really lovely reminder of a period in my life. And
1: where you and Jordan met. Yes. And, so, and fell in love. Yeah.
0: And so that's what we're... Another thing, like a good friend of mine messaged me the other day, and she was like, tell me how you get rid of books, because, and she named the book. I can't remember. Oh, I think it was, um, what is that book about 9-11? Tom Hanks was in the movie. Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. Oh, yeah. She hated that book. Mm -hmm. I personally really loved that book. But we read it as a book club probably eight years ago Mm -hmm. um, in Tallahassee. And so she and I are dear friends, and she doesn't live in Tallahassee anymore. I don't live in Tallahassee anymore. We're not a member of that book club. But she said... I looked at that book, and I was like, I could get rid of this, but it reminds me of this really sweet time in my life. Mm -hmm. Do I need to get rid of it? And I told her, I was like, I think get rid of the books you actually haven't read or never intend to read, Mm -hmm. and keep that one because you just said why you love it. You love it not because you like the book. Right. You don't like that book, but you did read it, Mm -hmm. and you read it with a group of people you want to remember. Right. And so I think... I think that that's what Marie Kondo is saying. Like, if something really does bring you meaning, keep it and hold on to it.
1: Because that makes your life meaningful.
0: Yes, but if you don't get rid of it, and for her, that number wound up being thirty. Right. I think this has a lot less to do with the number, and and I'm I feel like you, uh, admittedly, I am probably sounding like I'm coming down hard on the person who owns six hundred unread books. But to me, it's actually not about the number. Right for me that number would be large because of the size of home right. i live in and the amount of time i have right um but for that person that number might be fine right. like it's not about the number i think it's about the principle right
1: well and because nowhere in her book does she say you should only have 30 bucks that's right her own number is 30 mm-hmm. your number is whatever your number is that's
0: right Well, that sounds that sounds personal <laughs> don't people talk about their numbers
1: Oh, like our Enneagram number? Or like our attractiveness number?
0: No! No! (laughs) A different
1: kind of number? Yes, that
0: number, it was a movie and it was like about how many people somebody had slept with.
1: Oh, that's a different kind of (laughs) number, Annie. That's not the number anybody was talking about here.
0: That's what it reminded me of. What's your number? Because I think that was the name of the movie.
1: I've never heard of that.
0: Somebody's in that movie. I mean, regardless, (laughs) your number
1: is whatever your number is.
0: No judgment here. But that movie is like with Jessica Alba. I'll look it up after this. Yeah, I'm very curious. I'm But, yeah, your number is your number.
1: Your number is your number.
0: Sorry, I took this a a different place.
1: We're at the bottom of the barrel again. Started out strong, but now we're coming up thin. Oh, we lots with all the devils of sin oh my
0: god oh my god oh my god from the front porch is a production of the bookshelf an independent bookstore in thomasville georgia it's produced by me annie jones and chris jensen and edited by chris jensen if you're interested in purchasing any of the books we've talked about on today's episode or previous episodes you can do so at bookshelfthomasvillecom forward slash shop
1: Thank you so much to the band formerly known as Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel from their album Forlorn Strangers. Learn more at forlornstrangers.com or check, that, check out their new band, The Rally Club. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon and gain access to exclusive bonus content, check us out on patreon.com slash Porch, where this week we will have some brand new content. You can also check out our our website at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com for web-only content and a full back catalog of our show with detailed show notes and links to further reading, like the bustle piece we mentioned several times today. This week in the bookshelf, a funny thing happened.
0: A little kid came for story time we had like a ginormous crowd a couple of weeks ago but what i loved is that this kid like literally his mom was trying to stop him but he rode his bike into the bookshelf like what? he was supposed to like park it outside uh-huh. but just put on it, like on. kept on coming in and it made me die laughing That's i tried hilarious. to take a picture because the mom was so mortified like you're not supposed to be riding a bike in here it was so funny that's really funny
1: thanks so much for listening we'll see you next week